Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hope. Hope. Hope sometimes can be a very, for lack of a better term, cliche word. It could be a very loosely used word. You know, I have hopes, right? So, you know, surface level, I have two boys that are nine and 10, right? And every morning, I hope that they're going to choose to do the right thing. Every morning, I hope that they're going to choose to brush your teeth, right? I hope, I hope that they're going to choose to brush your teeth. Sometimes when we get ready to leave the house, my hope is that they're going to put on some decent looking clothing before they leave the house. I don't know why they decide they got brand new clothes in the closet. And I don't know why they decide to, to wear the gym pants with a hole in it and all these other things. Right. So we we have hope in very like surface level things. Right. My wife, I'm married. Allison Hodges, raise your hand, girl. I'll see you out there. I'll see you out there. But my wife, right, she she has hope in me. She has hope that one day I'm going to finish the basement. That I'm going to finish that drywall that's down there. One day, girl, you better keep hoping. Yes, Lord. She has hope, right? She has hope that one day I'm going to finish it. She places a lot of hope on me, though. Sometimes it's a little too much, right? Because, you know, Georgia has crazy bugs, right? It's crazy. I'm, I'm originally from Miami. So when I came here to Georgia, I promise you, I discovered like three different species already. The bugs up here are crazy. But she has a hope that when a bug is in the house, that I'm going to kill it, right? And I hate spiders. And so she, her expectation is that I'm going to kill these spiders. These spiders are crazy. I'm not trying to mess with them. Inside, I am scared. I am scared. I'm frightened. But she has a hope that I'm going to do that, right? But hope, hope, can, be, hope can be funny, right? Those, those are funny examples of hope. Those are like very surface level conversations about hope. But the reason why hope was on my heart for this Sunday is I was having a conversation with some dear friends who are visiting us, Jacob and Danica. They're here today. Jacob is here sitting next to my wife. And we were uh, giving them a round of applause. They're awesome people. We love them so much. Uh, but they're, they're at our house hanging on us. And we were sitting by the pools. We were watching the kids play. And we were having a conversation about hope. Is that me? Oh, somebody getting. So uh, we were having a conversation about hope, and he brought up to me this example. Uh, in 1950s, there was a professor at John Hopkins that decided to do an experiment with some rats, right? How many of you like rats? I hate a rat, I will beat a rat. Um, but he decided to do an experiment with, with these rats, and his experiment was is that he took these rats and he placed them, he took a group of rats and he placed them in a bucket. And so what happened to these rats is they were placed in a bucket and two minutes after being placed in the bucket, they dove to the bottom and they drowned. They dove to the bottom and they drowned. He took a second group of rats, and these were called wild rats. And wild rats are actually, they're, they're, they're tenacious swimmers. They're very good at swimming. Um, and so he expected different results. And so he grabbed these wild rats and he put them in. They're savage. They like to fight. They have a strong will to survive. And he takes these rats and he puts them in the water. And yet again, the same thing happens. These great swimmers go right to the bottom and drown within two minutes. And so he began to think, what would cause a rat to, to keep swimming? Maybe the introduction of hope. And so he finally takes a third group of rats and he places them in this bucket. And as they're making their nose dive to the bottom to give up, he grabs them. He saves, he rescues them in the nick of time. 
and he gets them back to health. And so what happens is he takes them again and he puts them back in the water. So instead of lasting for two minutes or a couple minutes, they last for hours. Because these rats now know that there's a possibility of being saved. They now have a hope that once again, that somebody could come in and grab me and save me and rescue me. And it got me thinking, what, what is this, this idea of hope? I think that all across this room, that if we are going to live a life that's worth something, there has to be a hope inside of us. In fact, I believe depression comes when there's an absence of hope. All right? And so I, I want to dive into the meaning of hope as we go into this, this topic, the tension of hope. And so Webster, Webster's Dictionary defines hope as to desire with expectation of obtainment or fulfillment to expect with confidence. To desire with expectation of obtainment or fulfillment to expect with confidence. Now, as I read that, it got me thinking, what does it mean in the Bible? So those of you who know that the Bible is mainly written in Hebrew and Greek. And so I, what, is, what, is, what does it mean in the word of God? And so there are two words for, to translate hope in the Old Testament. One is yakal. Yakal. If I'm pronouncing that wrong, oh, y'all Bible theologians, let me know. But yakal, right? That's, that's, the, that's the Hebrew word for it. And it means to wait. It means to wait. Hope means to wait. Hope means to wait. I will wait on the Lord. He shall renew me in strength. Right? Another word for Hope in the Bible is translated kava, which comes from the root word kav. Kava, which comes from the root word kava, which means cord. So this actually means the verb. It's a verb. So it's a verb that has to do with the tension of anticipation of waiting for something. Like when a cord is pulled very tightly and becomes tense until it snaps or the tension releases. Kava means to wait actively with anticipating, hopefully watching for God to act. And so if you're taking notes, as, as we hear that definition of hope, if you're taking notes today, I want to start off with hope is not optimism. Hope is not optimism. I think optimism is a great thing. I think being super upbeat is a great thing, right? And I think that's like something that's very prominent, like in the, in the ideas and the language that's promoted nowadays. I've heard a lot of people talking about manifesting, right? I'm going to manifest my destiny. You know, that's a language that's going on right now, right? But can I tell you that if we're talking about the Bible and we're talking about the God that we serve, hope isn't optimism. That's not what it is. Hope is not saying that I hope that my situation is going to work out. I hope that this is all going to make sense. I hope that this is all going to be figured out. Can I tell you that your situation will disappoint you? Your circumstances will disappoint you. So you can't Hope in your circumstances. You can't hope in the outcome. You have to hope in the one who gives the outcome. Amen? So if we're going to have biblical hope, it is not in a situation or circumstance, but it's in a person, and his name is Jesus. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 77, verse 11, now to come up on the screen, Psalms chapter 77, verse 11. Is that on the screens? I'm going to find that real quick. Oh, y'all making me read my Bible this morning. Oh, Lord Jesus. 
Psalm 77 verse 11 says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. If we are going to be who God's called us to be, we can't hope in the things that provide for us. We have to hope in the one who brings to provision. Can I tell you today, I don't know what it is that you need. If it's healing, you can't hope in the healing, but you can hope in the healer, right? You can't hope in what you lack, but you can hope in the one who brings provision, right? You can't hope in what's broken, but you could hope in the one who brings it together, who restores it. Amen. So if we're going to have that biblical hope, it has to be in Jesus and it can't be misplaced in what we want it to be or what we hope it will be. But we have to place it in what is secure. And that is Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. It says he is the God of hope. Who is God? God is hope. So if we are going to have hope in this world, it's not going to be in the outcome, but it's going to be in the one who is hope, and that is God. Amen? As we dive deeper into this, can I tell you that if we are going to have hope, if we're going to sustain it, if we're going to walk in it, the next thing I have for you, the next point I have to you, sometimes we have to look back. And sometimes we have to, by looking forward, in order to look forward, my apologies, in order to look forward, we have to look back. In order to look forward, we have to look back. What does that mean? That verse that we just read, I will remember the deeds of the Lord, Psalm 77, 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. So often we talk about the past and what that means and we have to move forward. But can I tell you that if we're going to walk in hope, that God has already proven himself, right? He has already proven himself. There's many of you that are in this room that you can look back and you can see the points where God was with you all along. There are miracles that have happened in your life. There are breakthroughs that have happened in your life. There's provision that has happened in your life. In fact, you woke up this morning with breath in your lungs like that song we sung. You woke up with breath in your lungs. Can I tell you that he has already proven himself faithful? And like that scripture says, it reminded me, it said, it said that hope is like a cord with tension on it, right? That it reminded me of like when a warrior has a, has a bow and arrow, right? And he grabs that arrow and he pulls it back in order to release it forward. Can I tell you, that's what hope looks like, that I remember what God did for me. I'm pulling on that cord, right? I'm creating some tension there. I remember how he never left me. I remember when I was down and I only had $5 in my bank account and how he took care of my bills. I remember of how he took care of me because when I pulled back on the Lord and all the things that he's done, when I remember his faithfulness, I can then move forward to a future that he has for me. Can I tell you, hope is not about right now. Hope it isn't about your past, but it is about your future. It is about your future. He says he gives us hope and a future. You will be disappointed right now, but if you can look on him, you know that your tomorrow is going to be better. Amen? God's past faithfulness motivates hope for the future. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I was reading that scripture and I was reminded that God has a track record. 
that if we are going to go forward in our life, that if we're going to see the future that God has for us, then we got to look back at his track record. And why is it important to have a track record? Because there's an enemy that wants to kill you and destroy you. And he wants to remind you about everything that went wrong. He wants to remind you about all the junk you did, your past, your mistakes, your guilt, your shame. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. By the word of their testimony. By the word of their testimony. That's a legal term that in court, there's in the Bible. In fact, the verse before that says that day and night. Day and night, the enemy is accusing us before the Lord. Day and night, he's accusing us. Oh, but I got a testimony. Let me take the witness stand. Let me take the witness stand. In fact, I was with my wife today, and my homework for you is to do the same thing. The Lord convicted me. He said, where's my track record? And so I had to go back, and I had to remember all the things that he's done. I had to remember how he set me free. I had to remember that when we have no money and we was four, four, four of us cramped up in a room for two years and we thought that we were planning to follow, we were following God's plan, but it didn't look like God's plan, but he called us to be faithful and we stayed faithful and we never lacked. Even though it wasn't what I looked like, he never stopped providing. He never stopped providing. So when the enemy comes to accuse me, oh, he don't know the time that I was at the altar and God told me I was loved. He don't know the time that God had told me I was forgiven. So when the enemy comes and tells me I'm guilty of this and I'm guilty of that and I'm not consistent. Oh, no, 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 Satan. You don't know about all that God has done. So I wrote it down. I wrote down every miracle that he's done. I wrote down every breakthrough that he's done. So what you see here is a testament of all that God has done. So I came with a testimony, devil. And so I wonder sometimes if that's the reason why we struggle. It's because we haven't remembered all that he has done. We've allow the enemy to steal our hope oh no but my God has a track record so when it looks like I'm in despair it looks like I don't have enough it looks like the situation won't work in my favor no 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 let me pull back on that cord of tension let me pull back on that bow and let me remember all that God has done every time he delivered me every time I was in work I was in church and I was worshiping the time I was in the car and he showed me that there was a future and there was a hope and he encouraged me all those times I have them written down. Church, my, 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 word, my hope for you today is that when you go home, when you go home with your loved one, that you write it down. Me and Allison, we began to reminisce on all the things that God has done. All the things that he was done. When we didn't think our firstborn was going to come out and they had to rush it to the hospital and do an emergency C-section. When our second born, he had turned and they thought he was going to have to do emergency C-section. When we came to Georgia and we didn't have enough money to do anything. When we were cramped up in a room and we never thought that we would have a home. When he gave us a home. When he gave us purpose. When he provided jobs out of nowhere. Oh, God has been good. God has been good. So you need to take your life and you need to align it with the track record of God. Because he never fails. He never fails. And if the enemy is accusing us, how do we defeat him? With our testimony. Oh, I, I know, I know I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm guilty of that. Yeah, yeah, But I got a testimony. I got a story that says otherwise. That God has always been by my side. 
my third point for you today is Jesus is our ultimate hope. Jesus is our ultimate hope. Uh, if we can pull up that scripture, I think it's First Peter chapter 1 through 3. You got that scripture? And that scripture reads, Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. In his great mercy, he has given us a new hope. And I'm sorry, in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Church cannot tell you today that we have a living hope. We can't talk about it enough. Sometimes in church, it can feel watered down or it can feel non-important, but we can't breeze over what Jesus has done at the cross. It is the crux of what we base our life on. It is the cornerstone of our faith. What Jesus did, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is our cornerstone for our hope. The tomb rolled away and that he is living. We know that we live have a living hope. But I got convicted today because I felt like, why do I live my life like God is dead? Right? Why do I live like God is dead? If he is my living hope, why do I find myself in this funk and this despair and going over all of my wrongs and all of my mistakes and going over on how bad the situation, and how much despair is? Why? Why do I look at it that way? When God has already shown that he is living and that he is well and that he's alive, if, if I've accepted the gift of salvation, that means that there's a savior. And he don't just save one day, he saves every day. He's by my side. He is walking with me. And I know we're humans and we got mistakes and we're going to mess up, but you got to stand in the fact that Jesus is real, that his word is real. Hebrews, let's, let's get into this. Can we go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. We're going to read some scripture today. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. And we're going to read through verse 19. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. The Lord swore by himself. There's no one greater than him. So he said, I'm going to swear by myself because there's none greater than me. And I want you to know that I take this as seriously as you possibly can. That I mean this with every inch, ounce of my being. That I want you to know that what I promise is what I promise. So if I'm going to swear by something, it has to be great. And since there's no one greater than me, then I'm going to swear by myself. Saying... I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. He didn't say I would maybe bless you. He didn't say I would possibly bless you. He used this very strong language. Surely I will. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves. And the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised he confirmed it with an oath I don't know if y'all catching that right there would just preach by itself 
God said he's serious about what he has said. God says that he is unchanging about what he said. And he's trying to make this, he's trying to portray this as serious and as true and as urgent as possible that when I say something, I mean it. So when I give you an oath, I mean it. Church, if we believed God's word, we wouldn't find ourselves in despair. I think I was convicted because God said, you don't believe my word like I said it. You don't believe my... If the richest man in the world came to you today and said, hey, hey, Jacob, hey, Allison, hey, Nunzi, I want to give you a great big blessing. I'm going to write you a check. I'm going to write you a check. You would be filled with expectation because you know what he has available to him. You know the resources he has available to him. You know what he can do because of what's available to him. So you would go there with expectation. You would go there like, oh my gosh, I am about to, my life is about to be changed in a major way. Church, can I tell you today that we have a check that's bigger than any check. We have a blessing that's bigger than any blessing. We have healing that's bigger than any healing. Can I tell you that you can take him at his word today, that what he said is true. Oh, I can be giddy with expectation. I can be, I can be, oh my gosh, I could be nervous because he's going to do something that no man has seen no eye has seen no eye has seen no man has heard he's going to blow my mind away I'm going to read it again people swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs we are the heirs of what was promised he confirmed it with an oath his word doesn't return unto him void what he said will happen but are we vessels to receive it or are we caught up in our despair? Are we caught up in our dysfunction? Are we caught up in what's going wrong? Are we caught up in if it will work out? Oh, Lord, I don't know if it will. Are we caught up in the bills that aren't paying? Oh, you don't know, my God. You don't know what he said. I go back to his track record, and I pull back on that bow, and I say, hey, you don't know what he's done. Look at what he's done. My testimony says it all. He delivered me. He never gave up on me. I woke up with breath in my lungs this morning. Let me continue. God did this so that by two unchangeable things, which it is impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may greatly be encouraged. We have in this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Can I tell you, church, that God is working behind the scenes of our today that we might enjoy his promises for tomorrow. That we might enjoy his promises for tomorrow. I woke up and I was convicted by it. I said, God, do I take what you say seriously? Do I take what you say seriously? Do I live my life like you are the ultimate hope? Do I live my life like you are living and breathing? Do I live my life like your word means what it says? I, uh, 
I have a uh, I have a ten month old. His name is Jiren. He's a sweet little baby boy, right? It's a sweet little baby boy. And what I love about the scripture, it says, it says, or what I love about this meaning that the Bible is trying to convey about hope, it says, actively wait with anticipation. To actively wait with anticipation. Hopefully watching for God to act. And so what's funny about Jaira, actually you can put his picture on the screens so you get this visual. That's Jaira, that's him in his crib. And that's him just waking up. Do we have another picture too? We got two pictures, just one. Just one picture? Just two. So that's him in his crib. And, and what it is is that he had, in the morning time when we wake up, he knows. He knows when we're waking up. He knows when we're waking up. He, he can like, he can hear us. He hears our voice. He's like, oh, mommy and daddy are up. It's time for me to get up. Because I know when mommy and daddy get up, that means they're going to come to my room and they're going to come get me. So I'm so excited. I can't wait. Sometimes we're watching the monitor and he stands up and he's so excited. He starts to bite on the, uh, he starts to bite on the crib. He's like, oh my gosh, you're about to go get me. He's funny, and even if he doesn't hear our voices, he, he'll sometimes hear the creak in the floor. You know, we got a little creak in the floor, so when I'm walking, I'm like, oh, dang it, I stepped on it, and he knows that we're up, right? And so he shoots up. He shoots up. Oh, mom and dad are awake. And he gets ready, and the reason why he stands up is because he's anticipating our arrival, right? He's anticipating us coming into the room that we're going to pick him up and we're going to grab him. We're going to love on him. He walks in and he has like the biggest smile. Mom and dad, I can't wait. I can't wait. So y'all have no sleep all day today. I'm going to be wild today. He's excited with anticipation. Man, church, I wonder if we can get to a place like that with God. That if we can go into his word and we could read his word and we can take him at his word. I know it looks bleak. I know it doesn't look like it's going to work out. And it may not be working out. You may have lost a home. It may be foreclosure. You may be homeless. Your, your child may have runaways and on drugs. It may look bad. But man, I'm reminded if I get into his word. He never fails. Maybe not on my time, but he's going to do it in time. I, I, I can wait like Jaira. I can, I can hear God's footsteps. I can hear the creak in the floor by his word. I can hear the sound of his voice by worship. Oh, he's coming. Oh, he's coming. I know it looks bad, but I'm giddy with expectation because Satan, you don't know my God. I know it looks bad and I know I've lost it all, but you don't know. My God, I'm giddy with expectation. I'm pulling back on the track record of God that he never fails, that he's shown himself before and he'll show himself again. Oh, I hear him coming. I hear the shuffle of his feet. I hear the sound of his voice. I can feel his presence coming closer. Oh, I'm giddy with expectation as he walks into my room and opens up my door and picks me up. Can I tell you, church, today, I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what you're facing. But man, what if we got giddy with expectation? What if we believe God at his word? What if we took him literal? God, you mean what you say. You mean what you say.
that you will give me a hope in the future. Maybe the reason why we're so weak is because we stopped waiting. Maybe the Bible says that he who waits on the Lord shall be renewed in strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not fade. Are you waiting on God? Can I tell you, waiting is not a passive activity in the Bible. No, it's an expectation. It's a it's emotion behind it. It's an expectancy. Oh, God's about to do something. It's not like waiting in a line. It's not like waiting in a line at Publix or something. It's not waiting in a line at the DMV, just hoping something might happen, hoping your number might be called. No, no, oh, you don't know. You don't know what God's about to do. You don't know what his word says. So if his word said it, that means it's going to happen. So here I am with expectation, Lord, knowing that you're about to do something and am I waiting am I waiting he strengthens me am I waiting he gives me joy am I waiting I soar on wings like eagles am I waiting I don't get weary I know it's there but my God is good I know it's bad but my God is good church I'm convinced today that I don't read his word enough Because if I had hope, I would understand that every word means something. If I had hope, I would understand that like a fish out of water, I can't survive without him. A fish out of water ain't doing nothing but dying. Have I been a fish out of water? God, have I been in your presence? God, have I been in your word? God, have I been in prayer? Oh, can I tell you, your soul is on the line. My soul is on the line. And if I'm going to thrive, if I'm going to live, I got to be in the water. I got to be in the water. I can't be without him. Oh, I'm convicted today, church, because I need to get in his word. I need to remember all the things that he said, that I am loved, that I am chosen, that he has all things working together for his good. I know he got a plan. I know he's working behind the scenes. I need to be in his word. I need to be in prayer. What if our hope intersected with our worship? Oh, you would have just sit there. Oh, you would shout because he's good. You would shout because he loves you. You would shout because you know all the things that he has done. All the things that he has done. If my hope intersected with my worship, I would praise him because he's good. I was sitting here listening to that song and as I thought about this point, it, it shook me because now I understand it. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. I don't mean to be all excited and all stirred up and shouting like crazy. But man, it got me thinking as I was studying for this message. Oh God, you have done so much. How could I sit here acting cute? 
you've done so much. How can I sit here acting like I got it all together? You've done so much. I don't know about you, but I done been through some things. When I lost my dad, and the Lord corrected me about it this morning, he said, you didn't lose him when my dad went to be to heaven. Oh, sometimes you got to reframe what you're talking about. You got to reframe it because God has something working. My dad went to heaven. Oh, he's in God's glory. And when I thought all hope was lost, when, when I was in my dark moments, oh, guess who pulled me out? He brought light to my darkness. And I'm sorry if I get excited, but you don't know all the things that he's done for me. All the times that I was in despair, all the times I thought it wasn't going to work out and he came through and he showed himself faithful. You don't know all the things that he's done. So now my praise is different because I know he's able. And even if it don't look like it, I won't affect my praise because I know his track record. Job said, even if he slay me, I will serve the Lord. If he don't do nothing else, he gave me salvation. He pulled me out of the miry clay. He saved my soul. If he don't do nothing else, he's going to get this praise. If he don't do nothing else, he's going to get this worship. If he don't do nothing else, he's going to get all that I am because he is worthy of it. He is worthy of it. Can we have the worship team out here today? I want everybody to stand up on their feet. Stand up on your feet. Man, I don't know where you're at today and I don't know what you're facing, but I think we could go to God today and we could sing a song of worship. And when we sing this song of worship, that you would be reminded of all that he's done. That when you sing this worship, that you would take, a, that you would take account on your life and you would look back on the miracles, however small they may be, that bill that was paid, that couple that came up to you said, here's a check, the Lord just put it on my heart. All the things that he's done, the doors that were open that you, when you lift your hands today, that you would sing with the hope that he has placed in your heart. So we pour out on praise, we pour out on praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out on praise to you only, it's your breath. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise, it's your breath, it's your breath. In our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, it's your breath. In our Shout your praise, our hearts will 
Savior is risen, knowing that our God is alive, and knowing that you sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. And Father God, Lord, we have you with us today. Now, Lord, we choose to live our lives full of expectancy. Lord, we choose to worship you because you've been good, Lord. Lord, we choose to be in your word because your word is true. Lord, we choose to seek you because you are all that we need. And like a fish out of water, Father God, we are nothing without you, Jesus. And Lord, today we come before you, knowing that you are faithful. That we're not concerned about the outcome, but we're concerned about the one who gives it. Lord, we give our lives to you, Jesus. I'm nothing without you. Have your way in me. Have your way in us today, Lord. Lord, today we pull back on the strength of expectancy. Lord, we pull back. And we remember all the things that you've done, Lord. We pull back and remember your track record, Lord. And we create tension, Father God, on that core, Father God knowing that you've been good, knowing that you delivered, knowing that you set free, knowing that you've healed, knowing that you've already paid the price, knowing that I'm forgiven. We pull back. That we may enjoy the future that you have for us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. 
pray over everyone here today, Lord, that hope would fill our hearts. And that hope is you. That we would walk out of here full of you. That we wouldn't stop, Lord, throughout the week, Lord, as the enemy attacks our mind, he attacks our thoughts, and he attacks our way of thinking, Lord, that we would go back to all that you've done. Oh, no, no, no. Some of that may be true, and that may be what it is right now, but let me show you the track record of my God, Lord, that we would pull back and look back at your track record, Father God, and throughout the week, that would remind us, Lord, that we would dive into your word, and that would remind us that you have it all under control. Today, we are hopeful of you, Jesus. We give it to you, God. Seal our hearts with your word, with your truth, with the testimony of what you've done in our lives. Seal our minds, Lord, that we wouldn't entertain the thoughts of the enemy, that we wouldn't entertain all the past, Lord, but that we would entertain all that you've done, that we would entertain your word. Seal our minds and our hearts today, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at my.